0: I want to get in this because for the past, see, I missed the last two Sundays here. But if you remember before that, we talked about knowing God. And the only way we can know God is how he's revealed himself through his word. We wouldn't know. He revealed. This is revelation. That's what God has revealed. And the revelation is complete. It's not to be added to or taken away from. Furthermore, He inspired this word, this revealed word to be written down so that we have it today. It is God breathed. And beyond that His presence, His spirit is here to illuminate our understanding so that we can understand it, apply it, and respond to it in our lives so that we may know Him. The truth is we were made by Him and we were made for Him. And without knowing Him We can never even know ourselves. We're living in a lost world today, and it's all because we do not know the one who made us and the purpose for which he has made us. We talked about knowing God. We talked about God, some of his attributes. God is eternal. Uh, God is love. God is holy. God is good. God is just. God is unchanging, immutable. Remember that? So today, we want to... um, kind of wrap this up, and there's so much more because we can never exhaust this subject because there's so much to learn, and we'll never get done learning throughout all eternity. But God is, and so today we're gonna talk about God is all in all. I wanna focus on what I call the omni or omni attributes of God, that he is omnipresent, He is here. We're just singing that. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And he is omnipotent, all-powerful. And the word brings this out. I want to look at that this morning. And I want to start our thoughts. And we have a lot of scripture to look at. And I want to go through it as quickly as we can. So you're going to need to write a few of these things down. Because you won't remember it all. You need to write it down so you can meditate on it later. There are notes online. And that's a lot easier than writing it all out. But you can add your own notes to it on our Facebook page is a link. Or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, just go to Events, find Hartville uh, on there. And you will find notes for today's message. And all these verses pretty much are in there. Uh, feel free to add to them. Don't be distracted by pop-ups or things that may happen on these smartphones, don't let the devil use it to outsmart you, all right? So stay focused. Uh, but just something to help because we want to be equipped and to apply this. In Ephesians chapter 1, here's how he, he wraps up this, this passage where Paul's telling them about praying for them. I love this. In Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about because when he heard their faith in verse 8, uh, verse... The letters are small, Martha. Can't, uh, I can't see. Yeah, uh, Verse 15... I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints. And he talks about, I I never cease in remembering you in my prayers. And he prayed, I'm just going to start with verse 17, it looks like, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And that's what we've been trying to do is learn about him. Having the eyes of your hearts or your understanding enlightened that you may know What is the hope to which He has called you? What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might or His great power, that He worked in Christ in all and he is our all in all and like I said we were made by him we were made for him and you can't even worship him very well unless you know him and he's inviting us this God of the universe to know him the one who made you wants you to know him and we've been just a little review here remember knowing who he is defines who we are you can't know who you really are unless you know who he is. And if you define God incorrectly, you can't define anything else in life. And this is one reason why people are so lost, because they don't know the one who created them and the word that he's given us. And so they can't really know themselves, and they can't really figure life out. And that's why we see things happening as they are today. But we have the hope. We have the light. We have the truth. We have the good news. Who doesn't need good news today today? That's why we have to share it. That's why we have to live it. That's why we have to teach it. So as we talk about these attributes of God that we're going to focus on today, He is our all in all. Omni, or omni, means all. All right? That's all that word means. He is omnipresent. That means all present. He is omniscient, that means all knowing. He is omnipotent, that means all powerful. And these attributes all operate in tandem with each other, is an amazing thing because God can do anything He wants to do, omnipotent. And He can do it anywhere He wants to do it, omnipresent. And He'll always do everything exactly perfect because He knows everything, omniscient. Let's start off with looking at one of the things that we were even worshiping and meditating on moments ago. I hope, you weren't, I hope you weren't tuned out. I hope you were plugged in. I hope you were worshiping as we were talking about how God is all-knowing. You'll see that as we go through this. One of the things uh, that God is is God is omniscient. Now, this is a compound word, omni. It comes from the word omni, which means all, and our word science, which means to know. Science has to do with knowing. So omniscience has to do, or to be omniscient means to be all-knowing. Our God is all-knowing. A simple definition of that, and I think this is in your notes, it refers to his perfect knowledge of all things, actual and potential. That is, he not only knows everything that has happened, will happen, is happening, will happen, but he knows what could happen. There are many times he lays it out to his people. He gives them a choice that if you do this, I'm going to do that. But if you don't, I'm going to do this. And he already knows the steps that we're going to take Even though he doesn't cause us to take them, we're responsible. These are two things that are taught together in Scripture. And we'll look at that more another time. But he depends also on nothing outside of himself for any knowledge about anything. God doesn't have to learn stuff anywhere. God doesn't have to go gather knowledge. God just knows because he knows. That's our God. Now you have trouble right there because... See, our problem is is we want to make God in our image. And we want to make him like the created things. He's not just some exalted man. He is God. He's not like us in that way. There is nothing in the universe like him. He is beyond all. And when we talk about God being all-knowing, our minds get blown. Because we can't relate to anything like that. There's no smart computer, artificial intelligence, nothing. It only has what it has because somebody programmed it into it. God just knows because he is God. His knowledge, as we say, is inherent. He has it intuitively. He has it of himself. So as finite creatures, really, when we're really learning, the more we learn, the more we realize we need to learn and that we don't know. People who, think, people who think they know everything, right? And I know, you, you might have thought that about me, but I really know that I don't. Um, I've always said, you know, people who are know-it-alls are really annoying, aren't they? I mean, they really are. I mean, how annoying is it when somebody's acting like they know everything? It's super annoying to those of us who actually do know uh, stuff. But, uh, but no, we don't know. And the more we learn, the way we know we're learning is the more we know we have yet to learn. So this is so opposite of the way we are. But God doesn't have to approach it. He just knows because he knows. For example, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, he says that even... Listen, this is amazing. This is how well he knows. He says, that even the hairs of your head are numbered. Now, I know for some of you, that's maybe not a big challenge. But the whole point there is he doesn't know them because he counted them. He knows them simply just because he knows them. He didn't have to count them. He doesn't have to accumulate information. His knowledge is intuitive. That's why in in eternity, we will never, uh, when, when we're gonna be actually with God, we're never gonna run out of knowledge because we'll never run out of God. And I feel like throughout all eternity, we'll continue to learn and be overwhelmed and be amazed as we will continue forever and ever and ever and ever and ever to learn more and more and more about how awesome our God is. And it'll never end because he's infinite. It's gonna be exciting. His knowledge is not only those things, but we need to also realize his knowledge is not just inherent, but it is personal. That is personal. He knows personally all about you. He's not so busy because he has everything else going on to know you. He knows you personally. He knows everything about you. He's given us a good example of that in the human body where Christ is like the head of the church and the brain, my, my brain, you know, Uh, maybe I wasn't blessed and see, God knows how much gray matter he gave me and he knows how poorly I utilize it. Okay. But right there still, even with somebody like me is an illustration how that my brain, there are like trillions of cells in my body. And yet my one brain is in contact with all of them at all the time. If I scrape my heel and some cells, at the bottom of my heel get damaged, it sends signals and my brain knows it and sends the right things to begin to repair them. It's amazing. Even what we learn from things like that, Uh, God knows even and he cares about what you're thinking right now. In Psalm 139, where David wrote this, and there's so much about God's omnipresence and omniscience and omnipotence right in this psalm, but he's praising God. And he says in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know me. You know when I sat down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. When Job was going through fiery trials, he took comfort in the fact that God is all-knowing. It, stuff Job's going through makes no sense. It seems unfair. But he knows that God knows. I don't know, and I don't know why. And, and, and just like some things that we've gone through recently, I don't know why things had to go exactly why, how they did, but he knows. So I can just chill out. I don't have to like it. I don't have to understand it, but I can just rest in him. He has a purpose. Job said in the midst of immense suffering that was seemed so unfair in Job 23.10, he said, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. He said, I I know this is looking bad, but I'm going to be gold. this? This is golden. Amen. Job took comfort in that. Are you going through fiery trials right now? You can take comfort in his being all-knowing. Now understand this, everything that God knows, or understanding this, that understanding and knowing that God knows. Understanding that God knows everything should affect everything that we do. You don't know a lot of stuff that I do. Thank you, Lord. But he does. I mean, am I going to be any different if you're watching over me or not? But I realize he's always watching over me. It should affect the way I live. So having this knowledge that he has all knowledge should affect Everything we do. So it's not only personal, it's also purposeful, as I said. It is purposeful. Everything God knows is plugged into His eternal purpose that he has this eternal purpose and 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 this is deep i'm going to throw another verse at you this is just this is well we could just get lost in these verses because it's so deep and powerful and i could never explain it all and how god does all his his knowledge is so powerful he tells us this in ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 he says even as he talking about god chose us in him in him is christ he chose us in christ before the foundation of the world before he even said let there be light okay are you following me That we should be, what was was his choice for us? That we should be holy and blameless before him. But I'm not holy and blameless before him. So how's this going to be? And he knew I wouldn't be, but he chose me to be. And it says, in love. In love. Boom. Grace of God. Calvary. In love, he predestined us for adoption, that is into his family, through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will. God knew all of this. He knew you would need a Savior. He chose to already provide that salvation. And the destiny that He had in mind for you was that someday He would make you holy and blameless before Him. Adopt you into His family. And that was His purpose. It's an eternal plan and a purpose. This is what God's up to bringing us in to his family, full rights. Say, well, he said adopted. You need to study the context of Roman law and how the adopted son, doesn't matter whether whether you're a man or a woman, you have the status of a son in their culture, which is you're an heir. (laughs) He has done this for you. This is his purpose. So God's knowledge and his eternal purpose do intersect with human choice, but it does so in such a way that we have real choices that we make And we are responsible for those choices, but God still accomplishes his purpose and his goal. It's not that he programmed us like robots. God has a purpose and a plan. We make real choices just like Pharaoh did. And it says God hardened his heart, but yet it also, we see Pharaoh was responsible for the hardness of his heart. So you see two truths, and they run parallel through Scripture, and they don't cross or contradict. How did God harden his heart? By showing him his power. But Pharaoh made choices, even though God could talk about the choices before they were made, as if they were already made because he's God and he knows everything ahead of time. I can't can't relate to that, okay? So that means I can't explain that. Uh, Can I give you an example real quick before we move on? No? No? Okay, Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, talking about how that Jesus died on the cross. He was going to be crucified. He knew it. It was the plan before the foundation of the earth. This was what was going to happen. Yet the ones who crucified him made a choice, did they not? And they were accountable. And that's one of the things that Peter is hitting them with in his sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 23. He said, this Jesus... Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So he was delivered up to be crucified. It was the plan and foreknowledge of God. But he said, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And you used the Romans and everything. But you guys are responsible. So there it is. God's sovereign plan, human responsibility right there together. And when God said he loved you so much. That he sent his son to die for you. The thing you need to understand is that he already knew about every rotten, low down, no good thing you would ever think or say or do. He already and he already decided you were worth dying for. So this thing that's happened this week is no surprise to God that when Jesus went to the cross, he was like, already know about it. And he already thought you were worth it. He tells us in this passage is so precious Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. No matter how confused you are, how mistreated you feel like you are, how broken you are, I want you to know God's omniscience means this. What is us all about? It means he knows. He knows. He knows where you are. He knows how you feel. He is not so busy that he's unaware. He knows. Listen to this verse. Psalm 56.8 speaks of it. He says, you keep track of all my sorrows. Listen to this. All those tears that I've shed. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Every tear that's ever come out of your eye of sorrow, he wrote it down. He kept them like in his bottle. He's got it. I want you to know that he knows because he's all-knowing and it's personal and it's powerful. But he's not only all-knowing, he's also omnipresent. He's omnipresent. That means there is no place in the entire universe where God does not exist and exist in all his divine fullness. little boy's on his way home from Sunday school one day, walking through town and going along there. And this old man is kind of an old grouch, didn't go to church, didn't have any time for God and all that stuff. He's like, hey, boy, where have you been? Because he's walking right through his yard. You know how old people are about you walking through their yards. He goes, where you been? He's walking through my yard. He goes, I've been to Sunday school. He said, oh, yeah? Well, little boy, I'll give you a quarter if you can tell me where God is. Little boy looked at him and said, Mister, I'll give you a whole dollar if you can tell me where God ain't. <laughs> Amen. So I tells you one thing, at least the little boy, he got it. He knows. So omnipresent. Omni means all. Present refers to locality. The omnipresence of God means that his complete essence The essence of who he is is fully present in all places at all time. I don't care if you go to the moon or if you go to Jupiter or Mars or wherever. His presence is there. Many people are not comfortable with an omnipresent God. They don't want to think about God being that way because they want to hide from God. And I will tell you, I'm going to put this up there. It's important. This is why people prefer idols. Why? Because they can see them, they can touch them, and they think they can control them. And we don't want a God who is sovereign and supreme. Some people even come to the house of worship and and talk about God, but then they'll go right back to their idols. It could be their money, it could be cars, it could be prestige, it could be clothes, it could be power, whatever it is, but it's something they think they can control. The omnipresence of God says this, that our God dwells personally in history, in time, and yet dwells completely also outside of history and time. He encompasses all of it. Listen to this. This is, this is deep. He is. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. I, I wrote this down. He is both transcendent and imminent. <laughs> he is both transcendent and imminent. That means this. This is what this means. That means he is free of limitations. You could say he is everywhere at the same time or you could say it this way. Everywhere is with him all the time. That may be a better way of saying it. He is transcendent. He transcends everything that we know in our minds and on earth, and he's imminent. That means he's self existent. He cannot be contained. He is everywhere all the time. He cannot be limited by time and space. God's presence is in the sphere of, of immensity. And well, let me get to that in a minute. Let me just share with you this verse: When Solomon was del- dedicating the temple, and you know God's Shekinah glory, the visible presence of God would dwell there, right? You remember that story, and that was that that Shekinah glory we call it. But even when Solomon was dedicating the temple as magnificent as it was, and God's visible presence would be there, yet he said this. He said, but will God indeed dwell on earth? 1 Kings 8:27. Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens. That's what he is calling the whole universe. Cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. He said, now I realize your presence is going to show up here, but the, whole he- the universe can't contain you. So we're not so silly as to think that this will contain you, that you just all of you is all right here. You're everywhere. See, he knew that. Solomon knew that thousands of years ago. Do you know it? Does it affect your life? Now, I'll get back to where I was. He cannot be limited by time and space. Infinity. He dwells within the sphere of infinity and immensity. What does that mean? Well, I've got it right up there. Infinity, that which is without limit. That's God, without limit. He's God. And immensity is that which cannot be contained. That's God. And that's how his presence is. Now, having said that, I want to tell you something. Are you still listening? Okay, so I've been going for a little less than 30 minutes, and we're going to try to wrap it up as quick as you can listen to it. Here we go. His presence is everywhere, but his presence is with his children in a special way. Though he's everywhere, there is a special sense with which he is present with us. Though he's equally present in all his fullness everywhere, he's not equally related to everyone and everything. Do you see that? It's the equality of essence. His essence is everywhere, but not equality of relationship. That's why I say that God is here. We don't have to get him to show up. You know, some people say, well, God showed up. Actually, what that means, and I I like saying that, God really showed up and showed out. Actually, what that means is, God's already there. It means we showed up, right? I mean, his presence, when we're talking about, Lord, we pray for your presence to fill this place, what we're really praying, and it's important you know this, you've been praying this, is that we dial in and tune out the static and all the other stuff, and we tune in to him who is here. Then his presence fills us in a special way. And may it be like it was even in the Old Testament when his presence did show up at the temple, even though he was already there before they prayed, but it was so powerful. And the cloud filled, it gave a visible expression of his presence, and it was so powerful that they could not even stand to minister because the presence of the glory of God was so strong. They just want to get on your face before him. It's that special relationship. That's why the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Well, isn't he everywhere? Yeah, but he's talking about that special relationship, that you seek that relationship. His essence is everywhere, but do you have the relationship? So this also means this, folks, that God is too big to avoid and too close to ignore. You're trying to avoid God. You're trying to ignore God. He's too big and he's too close. You're going to be faced with him someday even if it's when you stand before him in judgment, you're angry because you feel like God's forgotten you, you need to take time to reclaim that special presence. Do you feel his special presence? Do you feel that belong, that, that belongs to only his children? Do you ever feel that? Remember, this could be the thing then. It's not you got to talk God into anything, but here's what God says. In James, through James, James chapter 4, verse 8, he said, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. He's there, but you got to draw near. Cleanse your hands. This is what happens when I start. This is one reason why a lot of people don't want to draw near to God because when we begin to get a a, a fresh sense of his holiness and his his goodness and his power, uh, we begin to sense our sin just like Isaiah did when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And that's why he says, draw near. You're going to cleanse your hands. You sinners, purify your heart, you double-minded. Draw near to God, he said, and he will draw near to you draw near to God. If I feel far away from God, it's not God that moved, it was me. Right? It was me. Claim the confidence that should be yours as a child of God, and you claim the Scripture that is spoken by God, where He told us that not only should we keep our life free from the love of money, be content with what you have, He says, and there's no reason to be all stressed out because He gave us a promise. And He quotes from the Old Testament even. He says, for He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you so what does that mean so the omniscience of god means he knows the omnipresence of god means this he is here he is here he is always here and he cares he's here you need to proclaim his presence one last thought he's also omnipotent Omna, meaning all, and potence, or po- potency, which means power. He is all-powerful. That's what that is. And I can only summarize this, but this means that there is... N- I'm going to use some negatives here. There is nothing that God can't do. Or you could say it, God can do anything, everything. Now, this also includes, to define this, it includes the exercise of his choice to use his unlimited power To reflect his divine glory and to accomplish his sovereign will. I've got to, I'm glad I've got that written down because that is a mouthful. Talking about God's all powerfulness. It includes the use or the exercise of his choice to use his unlimited power. To reflect his divine glory and accomplish his sovereign will. And because he is infinite, that means he is infinitely powerful. That is our God. His power is unlimited, because he is unlimited. Let me throw some verses in there to document this, and we want to be careful that we're bringing out Scripture. My favorite way to teach and preach is to preach through verses or through script uh, books of the Bible, and that we exegete, that we bring out the meaning. This is what it meant. This is what it meant then. This is how it applies now, and this is how we should respond to it. Too often, people will take a thought and use eisegesis, where that means read into it. They'll have a thought, and they'll try to read it into a Scripture and try to cram it in there and make it fit. And that's how you can come up with any kind of teaching or doctrine that you want by misusing the word of God. So I want to be careful to document, but I don't want to take things out of context. I want the word of God to speak. I want it to come out. I want to bring out what is here. And that's a problem with a topical message like this. So please follow me closely on this. Not just let me throw verses at you. You need to look at it. You need to think about it. And so in Psalm 147, verse 5, the psalmist says, How great is our Lord, his power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. What is he doing? He's praising and worshiping and being overwhelmed because he's thinking about God's omnipotence. All-powerful. He's being overwhelmed. He just wants to praise God with that. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, he claims this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And right there, you see the omnipotence and the omniscience of God, all knowing and all powerful, right there. God is not only limited, and He's not only unlimited in what He can do, He's unlimited on how He gets it done. In fact, when it says that, that He's the Creator, we understand that His power is so limitless that He created what we call, I think this is Latin. Ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. God didn't even start with raw material. God created everything that is out of nothing. That's what it means He's the creator. He didn't need raw material to put His creation together. Psalm 33 6. We're going way back into the Old Testament. He said, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, universe. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts, all the stars. That's it. He spoke it. That's our omnipotent God. He has the power to give life. We can go back to Psalm 30, 139. And he talks about how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And he created us and gave us life in our mother's womb. That's why the Bible says human beings are different than all other kind of life. And we need to be careful that we, it doesn't matter where someone comes from. It doesn't matter what color or what, what ethnicity. It doesn't matter what social class. It doesn't matter whether they're born or yet to be born. All human life is sacred and precious. And he said, even when he was knitting me in the womb, he knew me. And his power is the one that created me. And know this, his power is tied to his eternal purpose. And it is personal. You can never detach God's omnipotence from his sovereignty. What does the sovereignty of God mean? It means he reigns. He rules and reigns as supreme. There is none above him. He is the almighty. In Revelation chapter 19. Now the word translated here is also translated almighty in other translations and in other places in 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 the New King James, Old King James, all that it's so I'm going by the same Greek word that is used. And it's the word, pantocrator. So I'm just gonna say omnipotent. That's easier for me. But it is a word that means all Power, almighty. This occurs several times in the book of Revelation. It occurs one time in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, where he calls him the almighty. But here it says, and the word is used right down here. Right down here. Revelation nineteen six. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of mighty waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God All-powerful, omnipotent, almighty reigns. His omnipotence is tied to his rule. And his rule is a tied to his will. So to get his power, you must be tied to his will. If you're not in the will of God, you're not going to experience the power of God. Because God always exercises his power with a purpose. And it's Personal. The ones who really get to see his power are his people. Those who are born into his family by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? He's omniscient. He knows. He's omnipresent. He's here and he cares. And he's all powerful. I want to tell you what it means. I want to tell you what it means. It means he is able Somebody ought to say amen. Come on. Thank you. I don't have to coax it out of you, but I'm not below it. Sometimes we're preaching better than you're listening. I'm going to last, last verse. visions 3, 20. Now to him who is all-powerful, almighty. Now to him who is able. He is able to do far more abundantly then all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us is his power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. To him, he just breaks out in praise. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And I pray that we won't stop here. We'll pass it to the next generation forever and ever. Amen. And hallelujah. He's able to deliver you. He's able to heal you. He's able to restore you. He's able to meet your deepest needs. He will save you. Jude verse 24 says, He's able to keep you from stumbling. Our churches ought to be filled every week with believers ready to testify about the power of God and how he's able. How he made us love someone that we didn't think we could love. How he gave us the ability to meet a need that we didn't think could be met. How he turned things around. We ought to be willing to go before the Lord, even if it means fasting and praying and say, Lord, I can't. But Lord, you can because you're able. You're all powerful. Would you stand with me? And as we prepare about our heads, I want to tell you, there was once a little boy whose father told him to pick up a heavy rock that was in their way. The boy went over obediently and grabbed a hold of it and grunted and tugged. And he said, Daddy, I can't. Daddy, I can't. And the dad said, Yes, you can, son. The boy tried again, but he couldn't do it. And he said, I can't do it, Dad. He says, Yes, you can. Get it done. The boy tried three more times. Same result. It wouldn't budge. Finally, the father put his arm around the boy and said, Son, you don't understand. You didn't use all the strength you had. And he said, but Dad, I tried with all the strength that I had. And he said, no, you didn't. You didn't ask me to help. Because my strength is available for you. And the dad picked up the rock and threw it out of the way. Isn't that a lot like us? Pray with me. Father, I do...